Welcome to the Getting Heaven Into People podcast. I'm Dave Ripper, a pastor here in New England, and I want to thank you for listening. After two years of the pandemic, almost all of us are hurting in some way, and so many of our churches are reeling. To address the deeply felt need Christians and churches have, I've designed this podcast to invite us to experience deeper healing and freedom over a 40-day journey as we pursue spiritual transformation together. I'm praying today's episode helps you experience greater joy, contentment, and confidence in your life and walk with God. So as you listen, may God's grace and peace be with you. Well, welcome to Getting Heaven in the People. I'm Dave Ripper coming to you from Nashua, New Hampshire, and I'm so glad you can join us for day 36 of our 40-day journey of cultivating spiritual freedom so that we might best love God and love others and see this world look more like heaven and less like hell. And I'm convinced that begins from the inside out, from heart change to culture change as we practice the way of Jesus together. Today, we're continuing on our series, which has been building a curriculum for Christ-likeness, or as Christians throughout church history have called this, building or crafting or shaping a rule of life. In the last episodes, I have proposed that we try and craft and st- a structure and rhythm to our life to support ongoing spiritual growth by patterning our life after the very life of the Trinity. As Daryl Johnson brilliantly stated, at the center of the universe is a relationship, and that relationship is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. To pattern our life after the Trinity, we are looking at three aspects of who God is. He is a community within himself. He is creative, and he is compassionate. And to help make this idea concrete, I'm sharing with you some of the details of my personal rule of life, which is designed to enable me to reflect God's joy by fostering Trinitarian connection, creative play, and compassionate presence. You can picture these three things in the shape of a Venn diagram, overlapping and creating a dynamic within them that helps each of the other facets be strengthened to flourish. And so today's episode, we're going to focus on creative play, creative play. As image bearers of a creator God, we are inherently creative. We can both create through our work and through our play. The longer I'm alive, the more I realize that creative work necessitates creative play and creative play necessitates creative work. And this creative way gives glory to God as we reflect his very nature, and that brings us joy. This should come as no surprise to us because inherent into the very nature of the created universe is God's own rhythm that he has instilled upon it that's reflective of him. Six days of work and one day of rest. Six and one, six and one. But I'll confess the rest and especially the play has not come that naturally to me all the time. One of my mentors, Pastor Gordon McDonald, once asked, what is it about our evangelical faith that leads us to feeling like we're never doing enough? That resonates, doesn't it? For those of us who want to faithfully follow God and use the one life that we've been given for the greatest good and for his glory, many of us feel like we're just letting God down. 
But I believe we can correct some of the poor theology behind some of our beliefs that leads us to feel like we're never doing enough by learning to receive both the gifts of creative work and creative play that God wants to offer to us. And the importance of play came for me after a few weeks where several mentors, including Gordon, all kind of asked me the same question. It kind of haunted me a little bit. Dave, what are you doing for fun these days? So let me ask you, what are you doing for fun these days? See, evidently, all three of these people were concerned that I was maybe working too much or working too hard and perhaps missing out on essential part of life, enjoying the gifts that God gives to us. In fact, if I'm missing out on that, my ministry will ultimately suffer even if I feel like I'm working really, really hard for God. So before I share some of the rhythms that I've put in place to best reflect kind of God's creativity and my rule of life, both through work and especially through play, let's explore a bit more about this topic from the scriptures. First, let's look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 8. We're looking at the Ten Commandments and kind of that hinge commandment, oftentimes it both connects us with our relationship with God and to others, as many people interpret this uh, command, is simply this. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Dozens of times in Exodus and the Pentateuch, we are commanded to keep the Sabbath. But what does that actually look like? Eugene Peterson once described the Sabbath as a day to pray and play. I like those twin aspects to how he describes it. A day to pray, to seek God, to be with him, and a day to play. A day to remind us we are not human doings, but human beings. We're not accomplishing things. We're not getting things done, checking the boxes, but we're allowing God to bring restoration to our basic core humanity. A longtime spiritual director and friend, Kent Croft, says Sabbath is a day to be resold, a day to be put back together, made whole. After pouring ourselves out six days, this is a day to be filled up. So central to reflecting the Trinity through creative play is planning into our schedules, planning into my schedule, Sabbath first. Now, I keep Sabbath just about every week, sometimes imperfectly for sure. But from Friday sundown to Saturday sundown, it's a day to play and pray, rest, to be resold. And then Saturday night, I turn back to work as I prep for my sermon the next day. What do you do during Sabbath? Well, during that time, we eat really well. We do things that just make our souls come alive, our hearts throb with joy, like hiking and playing outdoors, listening and playing to music, reading books that are leisurely, fun to read, things we want to engage with. Uh, it's I love for our kids to see me just having a different disposition. We often call this Daddy Day, and I am, they know, fully present. I am going to be less stressed, less anxious, just with them in a lighter mood, not keeping track of time. And they so look forward to that time. From this place of Sabbath keeping weekly, then, 
I've found that elements of the same Sabbath of play and pray and rest spill over into the other six days of week, which both helped my creative work and play. Let's look at another passage that I think grounds this facet of how we might reflect God and how we arrange our days through creative play. Psalm chapter 90, verse 17 says, Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and prosper for us the work of our hands. Yes, prosper the work of our hands. Another translation of that word favor in different versions of the Bible say beauty, as in let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us and establish or prosper the work of our hands. So somehow I believe there is an inescapable relationship between the work of our hands and beholding the beauty of God. So we must intentionally make time unashamedly to make space for the beauty of God to be upon us. Some of the ways I do that is, like Andy Crouch has often talked about, getting outdoor time before screen time, looking up at the sky before we look down at our screens. For me, I often do that through daily reading of books and prayers that are just beautifully crafted and well-written, that they just delight. Presently, I've been reading out loud uh, for the second time uh, through the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis to my oldest son. We've gone through this series and just the ways that Lewis captures your imagination and draws out some of the beauty of the gospel in terms even my five-year-old can understand is beautiful. And that in turn seems to shape me and help the work of my ministry and my hands to prosper. Along with that, I'll read books that I've, I've enjoyed, memoirs, poetry, uh, some prose from other authors that I, I like to read. Beyond the beauty of the written word, love to just experience the beauty of art, the beauty of nature. For me, I love to run three or four times a week. And one of those often being a trail run where I just get to look up and behold the beauty of the eastern forest where we live. So much to drink in. Remembering Dallas Willard's words, we live in a God-bathed world. Or St. Ignatius, we get to find God in all things. And along with this, I have within my weekly rule, often taking time to do photography or playing music several times a week or making it a spiritual practice to explore new places, regularity, new trails to hike, new towns to visit, new coastlines here in New England to experience. One last line that I strive for as part of my rule of life when it comes to creative work that helps or creative play that helps uh, inspire and fuel creative work is this line from one of Wendell Berry's poems. Do something every day that won't compute. Do something every day that won't compute. It just doesn't add up. It might be something that's like outrageously generous or something that a person in your position would likely not do. And somehow that just incites more creative work and unlocks some of that image-bearing creative capacity that each one of us have been gifted with. In John 12, we read a beautiful example of this. The gospel writer says, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, 
the home of Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. The best descriptions of a person ever. Lazarus, whom Jesus raised from the dead. There they gave a dinner for him. Martha served, and Lazarus was one of those at the table with him. Mary took a pound of costly perfume made of pure nard, anointed Jesus' feet, and wiped them with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Do something every day that doesn't compute. This doesn't compute and even outrage Judas Iscariot, thinking, what could have been done with this money? How indignant was he? It seems wasteful. And yet, it was beautiful, so beautiful that we continue to reflect on it and behold the wonder of it 2,000 years later. I just love the creative invitation, the idea of doing something that doesn't compute every day, what it brings about with God and our relationship with Him. It helps us open our eyes, to slow down our pace. It invites us to get in on what God might already be doing. It's likely going to stretch you out of your comfort zone in a creative and fun way. It's going to typically give you a story to tell later on. But this practice, like all others I have shared, helps my heart really throb with joy. And so as I invite you to craft your rule of life, your curriculum for Christ's likeness, essential to this is thinking about what restores your soul, what makes your heart throb with joy. Because my guess is these things will draw you closer to God, inspire better work, no matter what that work is, and bring you nearer to the calling that God has given you this very day. So how might you arrange your days to get in on this creative play and work that God is inviting you to as his gift to you and for you, a gift that he wants to experience with you? And so may the beauty of the Lord our God be upon you today and establish the work of your hands, my friends. And may the creative play of your life bring God greater glory. We'll see you next time as we talk about compassionate presence.